0: It was inevitable, Sarah.
1: I'm obviously surprised this is the first time.
2: You're listening to the Vocal Fry Podcast, your weekly dash of
3: voice science, pedagogy, and pop culture. Coming to you from the third formant, everyone's favorite buzz buzzsaw.
0: Well, our, our wonderful guest, got to hear our theme song twice today, which is more than they asked for. Yep. Now uh, you're so
1: familiar. But
0: Vocal Fam, what you don't know is we had already started, and of course, what had Perna forgotten to do but roll the tape? So VocalFam, the first thing you should do if you're hosting a podcast is make sure you're <laughs> recording. I was so busy checking everyone's levels, which were working out wonderfully, that I wasn't paying attention to the fact that we had been paused on the recording oops anyway vocal fam we're back uh we have a great group with us today i've already heard some about them but we're going to hear it again because you haven't heard about them um we have uh three wonderful authors with us uh as our second feature of plural publishing's author showcase this year we had karen brunson on a month ago it it was a great episode karen's episode was wasn't it great sarah it was a great conversation Mm Um, and we're so excited to to host the authors of What Every Singer Needs to Know About the Body now in their monumental fourth edition. I can't even imagine having a book out, letting alone having something in its fourth printing. How incredible. So Melissa, Mary Jean, Kurt, welcome to Vocal Fry. Again. Yep.
3: Thank welcome you. Back. Thank, Thank you.
0: you. I'm so sorry to make Melissa and Mary Jean do this again. But <laughs> Melissa, let's start with you. If you would please tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about how you got to being a co-author of this book and all that kind of good stuff.
2: Okay. Well, first of all, my last name is pronounced Maldi. It is not Maldé, as in um, Rigoletto. Uh, it's actually of Norwegian heritage. Really? It is. Yeah. My father grew up in um, Willamette, which is very close to where Kurt lived for many years so i started my body mapping journey when i was in my 30s and i went to do my doctorate at the university of cincinnati ccm where kurt also got his doctorate or masters both both okay Uh, we did not overlap however um anyway i was studying with i wanted to study with patricia berlin and so i took a try a lesson with her when I went to audition and she said, you have no ribs. I said, yes, I have ribs. They're right there. And she said, well, you're not using them when you breathe, so draw me your ribs. And of course, I had no idea how they connected. I didn't know how they were shaped. I didn't know what they had to do with breathing. And so she had me draw pictures. She corrected those. She worked with me on getting awareness of my ribs and that movement in singing and sent me on my way for the summer to practice that. And over the years that I studied with her she mentioned Barbara Connable quite frequently and I then when I went to Luther College and was teaching there I was fortunate enough to have the trial course for certification it was then for Andover educators it was then um, with uh, Janet Alcorn and I was one of her guinea pigs and Barbara Connable was there observing that trial course and when I finished singing, she said, you have no legs. So first I had no ribs, and then I had no legs. So basically, I had no skeletal awareness at all.
0: You were working your way down.
2: I was. (laughs) Yeah, right. You know, at least by that point, I did have ribs. Um, (laughs) But I still didn't have any of awareness of my any awareness of my legs while I was singing. And she was very, very Clear that that was part of my singing mechanism and it made a huge difference in my singing that day and has ever since. She invited me to train, and uh, after a few years of training, I said, Well, there's a whatever musician, there's a whatever pianist, maybe there should be a whatever singer book. And she said, Oh, well, Kurt and Mary Jean are working on that. And I said, Oh, pretty, pretty, please, can I join them? And so I think it was when we were in. Gosh, where was that? Ohio? I don't even remember where we were when we all met in this big open green field and we walked around and talked about the various sections and how we were going to organize it and uh, became friends and um, have had a really wonderful collaboration ever since. I will say that uh, body mapping has made me much more consistent both as a teacher and as a singer and it has revolutionized both of those areas of my life and really my daily life
0: sure sure and you have wonderful skeletons behind you not in your closet <laughs> but just behind <laughs> you literally on screen she's got some great skeletons behind her
2: this is my my home body or my home vocal pedagogy classroom yes <laughs> <laughs> yes
0: yeah, as, we're, as we're all and you are on the faculty wear right
2: now I am institutionalized at the University of Northern Colorado. I just wanted
0: to hear you say institutionalized. Yeah, you for that. Fantastic. Great. Mary Jean, tell us about yourself.
3: Hi, everybody. Um, it was actually kind of fun to hear Melissa speak twice, and it also made me realize there's something um, that I would like to add this, this second time around. Um, uh, first of all, thank you for having all of us on here. Yeah. And um, I want to give uh, credit absolutely where it's due to my friend and colleague, Kurt Alexander Zeller, who um, I knew and undergrad. We both went to SMU, uh, and that was during my freshman and sophomore year and his uh, sophomore-junior year. And uh, um, Kurt literally is the reason I am now a body mapping teacher and also an Alexander technique teacher. And, um, oh, boy, uh, we performed on your junior recital together, Kurt. Um, It was duets and uh, solos. It was great fun. Kurt had chosen a good deal of the repertoire. And I remember we were in the SMU um, Museum of Art. What what was the name of that? Again, the... The Meadows Museum. Museum. Oh, so beautiful. Um, Anyway, so Kurt and I were great friends those two years. And then we didn't see each other for 18 years because I had moved um, to go get my... Finished my undergrad uh, at Oklahoma City University. Then I went and got my master's and stuff. Uh, Kurt was busy getting his master's and his doctorate. And uh, I got a brochure in the mail from uh, Barbara Connibal herself, where she was announcing that she was teaching her course that she created. At this point, it's super important to note that Barbara Connibal is an Alexander technique teacher who, when she had so many uh, music students who were in pain, and compromised or just moving very poorly. And at that point, she was just beginning to understand uh, body mapping through, and her former husband, William Connibal, she and he were talking about it with their students. Anyway, Barbara created the six hour course, whatever musician needs to know about the body, to uh, prevent injury and promote facility. As she said, I had an old back injury, um, I turned a flip in third grade. And uh I didn't know it, it wasn't until years later I could actually afford as a poor musician to get an MRI. And I found out I had a herniated L four, L five and then um a bulging disc above and below. But so I was always going in and out of back pain my whole life. Mid thirties, I'm taking Barbara's course and at the end of that week I was out of pain. So I was like, Oh my god, I'm a convert. Um and I immediately signed up to uh, to study with her, and I traveled to Oregon and actually stayed at her house quite a few times um, until I was certified and ready to teach it. And the last thing I want to add, and Melissa made me think about this, and I, I'm so glad that she was mentioning this, when I had to during that week that we were all taking the course at Willamette in Oregon, <clears throat> it's, a, it's a luxury to be able to take the six-hour course over a week you can just take your time with everything in the same way that it's wonderful to be able to take it in a semester well one of the very first things that Barbara always has us do is draw our our bodies and i drew of course as a then voice teacher and a singer i had been teaching for quite a few years at that point um i drew the, the world's most amazing uh, thorax um ribs uh diaphragm i think i even had laryn- laryngeal stuff in there but there's one thing my entire body map lacked and I still have the drawing and I had no bones, not one, no ribs, no legs, no nothing. And so I became so interested in bones, and I now even actually have a disarticulated human skeleton. And when I go to teach, I, I like my students to feel the spiraling of those bones. And then I have a, a big skeleton too, but my husband calls it my bone yard. Anyway, thanks to Barbara Conville, hopefully we're all teaching our students how to feel and move better in their bodies. And my God, I better shut up. I think I've used up too much oxygen. (laughs) Go for it, Kurt.
4: (laughs) Well, I'm Kurt Alexander Zeller, and yes, indeed, uh, Mary Jean and I were very good friends as undergraduates at SMU, where I was doing double degrees. I was doing a voice performance degree and a professional BFA in theater, and I was the first student there to do that. And uh, so, and then later I went to Cincinnati. Uh, I was there before Melissa, but I also studied with Patricia Berlin. So there are a lot of connections here. And as a matter of fact, I'm the reason Barbara came to uh, CCM because one of the things that was available to us at SMU as theater students was Alexander technique lessons. The musicians didn't get them. But the theater students had them, and I thought it was such a wonderful experience, and I, in the dim way I understood it at that time, realized this was important for me. Uh, And uh, there was no Alexander Technique study at Cincinnati at that time, and I and several other students were desperate to have it. And I won't tell the whole story about how it came about, but we yammered and yammered and yammered, and because I did both my master's and doctoral degree there, I, I was there for a long time to uh, to, uh, to hammer on the administration. And although Barbara never got there until after I had left, uh, that was the reason that she eventually came to Cincinnati and began to work with some of the faculty there. And uh, so got uh, Miss Berlin interested in body mapping, although Miss Berlin had always taught that way. I remember having to draw a tongue in her studio long before she ever had met Barbara Connable, and one of the things Barbara always says is that great teachers have known this all along. This isn't new. We're just making it explicit.
0: Sure.
4: And uh, so I could say all the things that Mary Jean and uh, Melissa have said about how it's made me a more consistent singer and teacher, but what I'd like to add, because not only... um, am I the coordinator of the music program at Clayton State University in suburban Atlanta Uh, but also I work as a um, stage director of opera I'm the resident stage director for Peach State Opera touring company and I do other gigs and body mapping is the best thing ever for acting on stage and it has totally changed the way I direct and I can't tell you how many singers I work with who say, I'm not trying to say I'm the world's greatest director because that's not true, but who will say to me, no one's ever told me this before. You know, I work on somebody on just how to get up off the floor and they'll say, no one's ever told me this before and I've been singing professionally for 20 years. And uh, and so that is one reason in which, um, in one of the ways in which I use it a great deal is in my directing work. And I think one of the things that's really fun about the book, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead of here, is is the fact that the three of us have written it together. Uh, As Melissa said, and as Mary Jean said, we've been friends for a long time, and so much fun to get to do anything with your friends. Absolutely. Uh, But also, we each of us kind of, because we have done the book together, we each of us kind of get to talk about an area of body mapping and its application that really jazzes each of us individually and so you know I get to write about how this works in terms of gesture and how this works in terms of your physical expressiveness as a singer and uh, Mary Jean has a wonderful chapter about balance and I could not explain resonance as well as Melissa does so uh, I think that you know it has made the book a better book that we have each got to do these things
0: fantastic um great great start thank you and again thank you all for joining us mm-hmm. um suburban atlanta sarah also lives That's in suburban I am, atlanta
1: except northern northern, yes. suburban northern atlanta side. so you know other um, end.
0: okay so i i have a couple of questions just 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 to clarify some things for the vocal fam who maybe are not as familiar with some of these concepts okay we, we've all three of you have referenced um, not only *Miss Con- Connable*, but also you've referenced uh, body mapping and Alexander technique. So, just for the vocal fam, could could the three of you? It doesn't matter who wants to jump in first or, or comment, but just for maybe some of our audience who is not familiar with those two concepts. I, just so you three know, I've taken private Alexander lessons with a certified Alexander teacher, so it is something I'm familiar with, um, and who always yelled at me for holding my shoulders absolutely horribly, so if I'm still doing that currently while we (laughs) sit here, I can hear Tommy saying to me, no, your feet actually can have the entirety of the floor right now. You can use the entirety of the chair to support your body, anyway. um, I can hear him in my head yelling at me, but um, can, can you can you tell our audience, you know, who maybe aren't familiar, what those two things are, how they relate, if they're different, just Alexander technique and body mapping. Who wants to jump in?
4: Why don't we ask Mary Jean to do that because Mary Jean is the one of the three of us who is who is uh, certified in both.
3: I will be happy to do that. With um, saying, please, both uh, Kurt and Melissa, jump in, interrupt um, anytime you want to. Um, I'll, I'll speak just first about Alexander technique, because this is what, bar, how Barbara Conable herself was trained. And it's hugely significant to know that she herself, um, also, uh, she has a very severe scoliosis, curvature of the spine. Then she was in a car wreck where she broke, I want to say all four lumbar vertebrae. She said she used to just stand, um, at the kitchen counter trying to do dishes and just cry. And uh-huh. then she met. Marjorie Barstow, who was the first American-trained Alexander Technique teacher by F.M. Alexander himself, and then she and her former husband, William Connibal, also studied with Frank Pierce Jones, who studied with F.M. Alexander's um, brother, A.R. Alexander. So I'll, I'll do the shortest definition possible. Alexander Technique, which is over 100 years old, taught in worldwide in most theater programs, and thank goodness they're finally starting to wise up and teach it to musicians, and God knows it's helpful for everybody. But here's the shortest definition I can give you. One of my Alexander Technique teachers, Michael Frederick, says, Alexander Technique is learning how to do everything that you do in life just a little bit easier. Um, Takes about 1600 hours, It, it takes exactly 1600 hours, and three years to train. So it was later, much later in my life, that I uh, learned how to do it. Here's what I think is hugely different, though um, it, about body mapping and Alexander technique. In an Alexander technique lesson, even though, yes, now due to COVID 19, yes, we're having to teach online, but now we can't teach hands on. We're having to talk someone to better use, so to speak, how to uh, move better, how to do anything better. Well, Body mapping, which is understanding our musculoskeletal structure, and I think it's easier to say our bones and our, our soft tissue, and even maybe harder tissue. So, our bones and our tissue, and how together in concert we were designed to move. And every time we don't move in the way that perhaps our, our, our temporal mandibular jaw joints. Are supposed to move, then we're either going to end up with pain or tension, etc. So, body mapping teachers really not have to talk. and touch our students. We can if we want to, but we can talk them there, so to speak. Um, now, at this point, I really want to shut up and let you hear um, both Melissa and Kurt say what they want to say about body mapping.
0: Please.
2: Well, what what drew me to body mapping because I had also had quite a bit of Alexander Technique before I started doing body mapping. Um, I wasn't on the road to certification, but I'd done quite a bit. And what I found was that my Alexander teacher would guide me into these incredible releases, but I wasn't able to do that when I was by myself. And I think it's because at that point, my kinesthesia was not very well developed, but my visual sense, I come from a family of of artists, and my visual sense was very well developed. And what I love about body mapping is that I can look at a picture of a structure, and I can say, oh, well, that's how that is. That's how my jaw joint looks. And if I do this with this muscle, that's how that jaw is going to move. And it just not only was visual, it was logical, mm. and... Um, I could do it self-directed. So somebody could say, okay, you need to re- remap your jaw. Here's a picture of the jaw. And then I could go and study it for two weeks and figure that out and remap it myself. So I think it's just a wonderful thing for visual learners
0: I- in particular. And you have some, uh, just as, as because it's um, you know, pertinent to that point, there are great illustrations in this book, Vocal Fam. Um, the illustrations, there are lots of illustrations in the book. I mean, obviously, it is a book about the body, so you would kind of think there would be <laughs> pictures about the body. But there are great illustrations in this book. Sorry, Kurt, did you want to add anything to those uh, two can, can I just oh, say something yeah, please. about the
2: illustrations? Please. Because uh, most of those are from David Gorman's wonderful book, The Movable Body. And I spent one sabbatical going scanning those pictures and pixel by pixel, taking all of the labels out of them. So, um, but if you wanted to see more of that kind of picture labeled that movable body um, by David Gorman is really a wonderful resource.
0: Fantastic, thank you for that.
4: That is a wonderful book indeed. I I don't have a lot to to add, except that I think what drew me to body mapping, because like, like uh, Melissa and Mary Jean, and as I told you, I had done a lot of Alexander before that, and and continued to do Alexander work, although uh, the whole process towards certification just didn't seem to be practical for me. But, body mapping was so practical.
2: Mm. Uh,
4: There always, to me, in my experience with most of the teachers I worked with, in Alexander, there was a certain aura of mysticism that uh, that really didn't quite appeal to me. I'm a very just the facts kind of guy, and uh, and body mapping. Bar and of course Barbara was is an Alexander teacher, uh, but she has a very no nonsense, just the facts kind of way. And I was when I first met her, I was really immediately drawn to that. Uh, but she kept saying, she prompted her students to think of how are you going to use this. Mm. To what use are you going to put this information? And that, I think, is the great thing about uh, body mapping is we're presenting information for students and helping them to integrate it into, assimilate it into their body maps, and then they figure out what they want to do with it. And that's why it is appropriate for singing and acting and directing and vacuuming the house, and tennis playing, and playing the violin, and anything you want to, uh, body mapping can transform your whole life.
0: Uh, yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, on, that, on that note, just sort of as a purely anecdotal thing, I, I watched, um, oh gosh, this was so many years ago now, um, the gentleman's name, I'm gonna, it's, gonna, it's eluding me, Dale Beaver, that's his name, right? He was at Ohio State was an Alexander teacher, and I watched him do a master class with a with a singer who had actually, you know, fine singer, was a master student, had actually just given her recital um, a, a week or two before that, her master's recital. And so she was in good voice, was, you know, whatever. And um, she was singing uh, Va from Werther, and it was, it was nice. Her first performance of it was fine. And he just, he, it was funny, he was adjusting her feet. And literally from one moment to the next, he made one just slight more adjustment, and I mean it was like the force of God left this woman's body. It was really quite remarkable, and I had been a believer in Alexander technique before that, but I will say, Kurt, to your point, it is a little uh, every once in a while, there's a little bit of spiritual, almost, uh, essence to, to Alexander compared to, to body mapping. That's, that's kind of right um, with, with everybody I've, I've seen work. Uh, okay, great. So talk to us a little bit about how did, I mean, obviously we kind of know how you three related to each other and this kind of thing, but but what is the genesis of the book itself? Like, who started? How did you team up? What, what was that process? And 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 determining who was going to write what section? How did that all break down?
4: Well, the the first thing was was I think me. Uh, I talked to Barbara. There was a Barbara had written the book. What every musician needs to know about the body, right? And then one of her other students. Tom Mark had written a a book specifically for pianists. And at that time, I was living in Oregon, and as was Barbara, and we were nearby and working together quite a lot. And I said, I'd really like to write uh, the book for singers. But uh, I'm just the boy who can't say no. And so there are just too many things going on. And so Barbara said, great, that sounds wonderful. And I wasn't to be honest, I wasn't getting very far with it uh, because there were so many other things going on in my life. And then uh, Mary Jean got interested in it and said, I'd like, to, I'd like to be part of this. And I said, great. Uh, and then, so we were talking about that. And and then as Melissa described earlier, uh, she got very interested in the idea and then said, can I be part of this too? And thank God that she did because, uh, you know, we all find kind of our own roles in, in this. And Melissa is the spark plug. She is the one who makes sure that we're on task, and I don't know if we'd even be seeing edition one, let alone <laughs> edition four, if it hadn't been for Melissa. So uh, it really took all three of us, I think, to to make this happen. But as I, <clears throat> that's my view of it. I mean, that's I that certainly is the chronology of it. There may be there may be more that I don't really know about how Mary Jean or Melissa got interested in being part of it, but. It certainly, once Melissa uh, came on board, uh, that's when it really started getting somewhere and it was something more than just scattered notes all over the place.
2: I think I was <laughs> up for tenure, so I I kind of had to get a
0: publication.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I never knew that. Oh, wow. Oh,
0: I can't even tell you. Yeah, uh-huh. That sounds right.
2: Well, and as for the chapters, I think Mary Jean came um, came from a place where she had that back injury, and she was so interested in the balance aspect. and And Kurt came from the acting standpoint, and he was so interested in the in the gesture and the diction, lyric diction, which is just a huge benefit for humanity to know that movement actually makes text. Um,
4: <laughs> yes. What a it concept. It totally <laughs> has transformed the, the way I teach diction from the way I used to teach diction.
2: Yeah. I bet. Yeah. And so then it, and I, I, so I said, well, okay, um, I'll do breathing, but what about resonance and phonation? Do we need mm-hmm. those as part of this book? Because a lot of those movements that we use for those are so based on just imagery and mystique and trial and error. And I said, well, maybe somebody could get in there and figure out what we're, actually doing to make these resonance choices and um that was a huge huge learning curve for me to try and figure that out because barbara um bless her soul she's a lovely lovely person but she is not a singer and so there are many body things that she does that help people sing but she doesn't really um get into all the little minutia of resonance and uh so i went down a lot of rabbit holes with that but it was really fascinating
0: <laughs> the, uh, the vocal fam is very familiar with uh, those rabbit holes that that happens oh. to be my primary research area and and one that we 've heard a lot about on the podcast so uh, but it 's funny funny you know it, actually very reflective of what you just said though, um, people would think you know hearing me talk sometimes that Taking a voice lesson with me would be all about like, oh, we'll do this with your first vocal tract resonance and this, and then and Sarah can tell you, no. no, it's like, okay, could you sing that phrase a little more mischief, or yeah. could you uh, have a little bit more fun with your e vowel on that? Fr- you know, I have specific acoustic goals that I'm going for, but 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 I don't teach that way. The teaching, well, right? Is you're so.
2: not going to talk about the posterior cricoarytenoid with your freshman.
0: No.
1: <laughs>
2: I don't I don't I, talk about it
1: with my friends. With anyone. Yeah.
2: <laughs> right. No. So but you but knowing about it sure. informs how you guide people to Absolutely. the right movement. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Totally.
4: And I think that one of the things that is that you know that we wanted very much in the book is we're presenting information and to the best that we can make it it is both factual and clear. But yeah. then it's up to the reader and the user to decide what to do with it. Uh, we're not advocating for a particular teaching technique or a particular method. Uh, and, and so, for, for many, I think all of us as teachers, we do that for, you know, for those some students, the more mischief in the eval is what's going to get the right result, and then in comes the southern good girl for the next lesson for whom everything has to be absolutely perfect and has to understand why for every last little thing. And then you can drag out the scientific words this long, satisfy that need to, be oh, yeah. to understand why, and then it works. Uh, mm-hmm. I was kind of that student. Uh, Mary Jean can probably tell you about, uh, uh, I, I frustrated our mutual teacher, Barbara Moore, a great deal because I always had to know why. Always had to be told why before I would do it. And, and body and- medicine was great for me because it provided why.
3: There you go. And, and Kurt, I can jump on to that one, too. When I transferred to Oklahoma City University, I was studying with Ines Silberg, and I was asking her so many questions that at one point, because she really taught very empirically, she really just wanted us to think, and she assumed our body would then just do it. And she literally said to me, dear, stop asking me questions about a body. You don't have a body. And they're like, oh no, I don't have a body. So with body mapping too, I think what's so amazing is we don't have to sit around and prove that this technique works or this doesn't. We're simply providing the facts and you can't argue with anatomical truth, which is quite wonderful, Um, quite wonderful. Uh, here it is and that's how it is and yeah we have slight slight skeletal anomalies from person to person but it's wonderful to, I think for any singer to know that we can point them to for example all all of the information that Melissa investigated and uh, on resonance and there it all is it's amazing
0: absolutely well yeah. and I Kurt- do love the point sorry uh I was just going to say, I love the point that we made about the idea that um, you don't really present techniques in the book, that you're really presenting ways to discover things. And that really comes across, I think, in the writing. So that's one. I just wanted to say that. Go ahead, Melissa.
2: Well, I was just going to piggyback on that, too, that we're not teaching a technique or a method, and we're not teaching a style either. We're yes. saying, here are, here are the movements that are possible. Go, experiment, figure out how, how you can use these in gospel singing, in folk singing, in country singing. You know, there are all these different uh, movements that you have to, to develop your
0: color palette. Go for it. Absolutely. yeah, And I think that comes across in the writing very clearly. I mean, it's not like at any point there's a, a direct paragraph on exactly how to incorporate Italian appoggio in blah, 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 or or Cuperto or blah, 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 blah. You know, no, it really is a, you know, and I think that's so important too for our students nowadays who need to be able to teach multiplistic styles Mm -hmm. and to sing multiplistic styles. And, uh, you know, so really uh, uh, applaud you as a team for for that. Who would you all say? And you might have a different answer, all three of you. I don't really know. Um, What would you say is your primary audience? Do you want this in the hands of singers? Do you want it in the hands of singing teachers? Do you want it in pedagogy students' hands? Like, What would you say is your sort of... If you said, this is who I'd really like to have this book, what what would you say? Yes. I'm out for the conversion of the world.
3: <laughs> yes, and mean too. I would like to form a, a, a temple, a body mapping temple that everyone will have to attend. No, I, I actually, you know, it, it's really interesting that you would ask this because I think that the cover of it, and I've got it, you know, right in front of me. I'm holding it up to the screen, but Melissa, it was your student, was your student or your colleague that helped to find all the different types of pictures showing styles, um, um, all types of singing. And yeah, you know what, it's making me think about too. So, um, since I'm a private teacher and have been my, my whole life, I'm, I'm very free to, freer, because I'm not uh, attached to the college university uh,
0: curriculum. requirements.
3: Oh God. And so I can I can leave if you're like, hey, come to a workshop, I can leave my private students and say see ya, and then go teach workshops. And I have to say that every single time that I've gone to go teach, there isn't anybody I've encountered who doesn't seem to benefit from the information. So i hardly concur with what Melissa said, yes. I can't think of anybody who doesn't need this. I really can't. There are people um, sometimes who get a little grossed out, so to speak. Um, Some people do, for example, I've had to, um, if I've even got my skeletal models there, it's hard for them. And Barbara talks about this in her book, How to Learn the Alexander Technique. There are always students like that and faculty. Sometimes we're like, oh, this just isn't my thing. I can't handle it. But that being said, other than just making sure that the teachers, choral directors, directors, vocal coaches, pianist, instrumentalists know that we're not trying to change what they've learned about technique, but rather we're trying to enhance what they know about, not simply anatomy. This is physiology here. We're talking about for every sound you want to make, there's a, there's a movement or a series of movements that creates that sound. So there's body mapping right there. Absolutely.
4: I have two things to add to that. I think that we you know, that is indeed, and I'm glad that Mary Jean held up the cover because I remember when the first edition came out, we spent, it felt like, weeks coming up with the cover and, and <laughs> negotiating, arguing, making sure that many styles were were present. But it's so interesting because we we got a cover that we were so happy with that every one of the next editions, they always say, well, would you like to change the cover? And we say, no. It, it This cover says, you know, if you do country music, this is for you. If you do opera, this is for you. If you do gospel, this is for you. And so I think we haven't changed the cover, except they usually change the color of the lettering, so you can tell it's a different edition. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but, but uh, we feel that that really says the audience. I will say that uh, now that we are in four editions, we do get some sense of sales of the book. And... Mm-hmm. It is used more for vocal pedagogy classes than I thought it would be.
0: Uh-huh.
4: And, uh, and there are also other uses that I wish were more. Uh, I think that, uh, that even though we really, really think and are trying to write for everybody in a mass audience, I think people who are not as tied into the academic world don't pick up the book. Uh, as much as we would like, mm. uh, I certainly, you know, based on on you know the areas of the book that that I'm responsible for, actors do not read this book as much as I wish they did, uh, and uh, and I also we've also gotten some feedback. We always when we do a new edition, we you know the p- plural is very good about collecting feedback about the book and what people like about it and what they wish they might have sure. more of, uh, and. Uh, Although we all feel, uh, it's not just me, I I know that Mary Jean and Melissa feel this as well, that that, uh, the articulation chapter and the whole idea that diction is movement. If you want a different sound, as Mary Jean just said, if you want a different sound, you must make a different movement. If you don't like the sound you're getting, you need to examine the movement that's creating it. Uh, But uh, lyric-diction classes have not picked this up Mm -hmm. uh, and it's not been, as a matter of fact, we often get feedback along the lines, especially for those who are using it as vocal pedagogy textbooks because diction is usually a separate class. I love this book. I use it all the time. But that articulation chapter, I don't pay much attention to. Hmm. And uh, and I think, and you're teaching vocal pedagogy? But that's just me. <laughs> yeah, That, that <laughs> I, seems strange. Go ahead.
2: I, I want to just note that in the fourth edition uh, – one of the things that I think is an impediment to people outside of the university canon picking up this book is that there is to some extent, especially probably in my chapters, just unbelievable amounts of detail. There, and yes. that, can, that can really be daunting for people because they think they have to know all of it. And what we've done in the fourth edition is we've put review sections after each major section we've said okay these are the main points you need to take away if you so you could just go through and look at those review sections and then if you wanted to know more you could go back into the chapter and look at that paragraph and really dig deep so I think that's a huge improvement in our fourth edition is that we have more of of that for the people who wants to just people who want to just think okay what do I really need to know (laughs) what's the main thing I need to know
0: but also, on the flip side of your chapters, I think I can tell that all of you are experienced teachers because you understand how to layer information. Because just starting a chapter with, OK, here's the big picture of the chapter, I think is, is a very important thing. And too often, authors will just start writing. <laughs> Rather than actually saying, "Like, OK, here's, here's this thing. This is what we're going to look at in this chapter. But but I, I, I didn't know those reviews. I have not seen an older edition of the book. Forgive me for not having seen an older edition. Um, but I enjoyed those review sections very much. I thought that was critical. Um, is What else has changed for this newest edition, which is a 2020, it's new, new, right? I mean, this year or the year, right? June. Um, so June. So what, what else has been new about this edition?
3: One thing I'd really like to talk about, because this also um, answers both what Kurt had said and you had said too, Nick, where the Alexander Technique, when you watch it in action, can seem a little bit woo-woo, <laughs> but you're like, what in the world just happened? Right. And the good news is, the it's not even just a concept, it's something that Alexander Technique teachers have been using for a long time. And finally, we're putting it into the body mapping paradigm, which is biotensegrity. And that was my most favorite thing to do for this edition because what I had to do was, and, and I did this on purpose, I, I read it as if I knew nothing about it because as an Alexander Technique teacher, I'd been going to workshops, taking lessons where people were introducing biotensegrity, but never had I been asked to write about it in a really clear way. Um, and so even though it's super short, which I did on purpose, in in my chapters and stuff i'm i feel i just feel like it, it it's it explains the woo-woo <laughs> it really does and then of course melissa speaks about it as well with breathing and i mean you could talk about biotensegrity with everything um so that's that's super important um, i would venture to say to to me that we have added that into the body mapping we should say for singers curriculum <laughs> Yeah.
2: One of my students just wrote on a test, tension anywhere will cause tension everywhere.
0: Mm.
2: Isn't that the most perfect yeah. way of talking about biotensegrity?
4: Yeah. <laughs> this is great.
0: Absolutely. So
4: I, I think that that is an important thing. We, we sort of all doubled down on, partly because the book is is built in its chapters for reasons that that we've been discussing, and mm-hmm. because you have to organize the material somehow.
0: somehow right.
4: But the, by, by putting a little bit more focus on this concept of biotensegrity this time, I feel like we have reminded what we always wanted to do, but reminded the readers much more, the whole thing is a system. Mm. These are not pieces and parts here that we're discussing. Yes, this is the chapter on resonance. Yes, this is the chapter on gesture. But all of this is a system that works all the way through, which, of course, was the process of discovery that we all made. I mean, Melissa discovering she had legs, uh, you know, <laughs> we're all learning, you know, and that, I think, is a really common thing that singers have to discover. I I had a big thing, actually, not just singers, because I also teach the music convocation class for all the music majors here at Clayton State, and just, I think it was two weeks ago, uh, we were all exploring ankle joints. and. In that class, 32 students, all of the incoming students, one organist, the only one who thought that he used ankle joints to make music. And all of a sudden, on their weekly reflection that I got back that week, they were all discovering when they were practicing, they all use ankle joints. Isn't that amazing? And of course, I wasn't amazed at all, but they were.
0: (laughs) Fantastic.
4: So I think that is a big thing. We also, um, in this edition... Augmented the audiovisual aids that go along with the book. Uh, we started that with a third edition, but that was the first edition that there was a companion website. But now the companion website includes more videos than we had before, especially maybe because I'm trying to sell people on this idea that articulation is movement, especially in the sixth chapter about articulation. There are a lot of new videos there and uh and uh, but all three of us have done that and also try to increase the the uh, the links to other resources that are housed elsewhere you know there's no need to reinvent the wheel if somebody else has done a fabulous video that explains uh something we want to we we a want to uh Make that known to the world. Go to this website and watch this. Yeah. Uh, again, just because it's, it's my chapter and I, and I did that. You know, The University of British Columbia's Department of Linguistics has a fabulous website that shows you the movement of phonemes. So why should I make those videos when they've
0: already done it? Absolutely. Absolutely. My
2: favorite new video was made by the Dad Lab, and it's just how to make a <laughs> lung model with balloons and a plastic bottle. And, you know, it just is so great about teaching people how the vacuum is created and that draws the breath into the body. And so, as Kurt says... Why do that yourself when the dad lab has already done it? (laughs) Uh, And and
3: actually, each of us spent a good deal of time looking for the videos that we felt were not only anatomically appropriate um, and correct. Because they're, sorry, but there's a lot of misinformation. There's a lot of fake news about body mapping. No kidding. And, you know, anatomy and physiology. So we all had to do, especially for the third edition, I venture to say, quite a bit of research to make sure that these were things we wanted to really recommend to our to our readers. The other thing that Kurt was making me think about too, and of course this is part and parcel of what biotensitivity actually is, which is that Barbara Conable was very careful to teach, sorry, I should say as she wrote this course, as she designed this six hour course, which our book of course is based upon, that the concept of, and it's an Alexander technique concept, but it works beautifully with body mapping and anything else, which is that how you use one part of your body, how you move one part of your body will affect the entire body. In biotensegrity, we know now that that's how the human body is constructed. Even if I'm just tightening up my right thigh muscle, that's going to that that will impact my entire body. There's the explanation of why Dale Beaver hanging out at and helping the girl, you know, at her ankle joints, it made this fabulous spiral effect all the way to the top of her head. So, how we use and how we move a part of the body expect, affects all of our body. How we move our whole body affects the parts. So, yeah, that's a big one with body mapping. Really, really big. And hopefully that point is uh, lovingly it's shared in every chapter, <laughs> I
0: think it uh, is. It, was- it is, it is, for sure. Um, and, and thank you all, uh, for bringing up the website, all of you who just brought up the website, um, because it's one of the great things about the new plural editions is that, you know, these companion websites, like when I, when, when we were getting ready for Kari Reagan's interview at Nats National, I mean, Kari, Kari's book has just every single exercise, and there's like hundreds of them, um, with a little video of one time through the exercise, Uh, on the website it's really spectacular so I mean um, glad to see that and 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 uh, for any of you who are wondering uh, if you get the book there's always just a access code right inside the front cover it's not hard to find it's right inside the front cover of anyone with a companion website just go to pluralpublishing.com and and you just pop on the book and you can create an account once you actually have an account you can just log in and you can do it for any book that you have um you don't need to keep doing it per book and keep putting your code in. i mean i guess you could but mm. you don't need to do that um we can of course get the book on plural's website most of the plural stuff is also available on amazon mm-hmm. um so no problems there uh, I just want to say, before we get into our other stuff, congratulations on a fourth edition. I mean, that's, that's oh, yeah. really... Mon- I mean, having a book published is great. Being invited to do a revision is important. But having something on its fourth round, I mean, speaking as a fellow academic, that's, a, that's, that's an impressive accomplishment. So really, kudos to the three of you. Um, yeah. it, it really speaks to the quality of the book. And I was, actually, it was funny. Uh, anecdotally, I'll also just tell you that... Um, was uh, talking to one of my current graduate students on Thursday as I was getting ready for this. I had the book sitting on, my, on one of my tables in my office. And he said, oh, I used that book in pedagogy as an undergrad. And I was like, oh, well, we're having them on the podcast this weekend. Uh, so um, so it, it is clearly used in voice pedagogy classes, maybe not mm-hmm. as many different courses as maybe uh, you guys would prefer, but, but, but there, there it is. Um, Uh, so also I have to tell you one other story one of the greatest experiences of my personal teaching career was for a season I I taught with a colleague who was as I said a certified Alexander teacher and he and I had um, started to do sessions with students where they would come in for a voice lesson and for their weekly Alexander session we would turn their voice lesson also into their weekly Alexander session and so they would get a tag team out of both of us Um, They were some of the most meaningful voice lessons I've ever taught in my career. Uh, Because I think it was good for honestly all three of us, Um, because the Alexander teacher and I were trading off voice lessons for Alexander lessons, and then we were both working with the student, and of course then he would walk over to me and say, no, your hips are part of the piano bench. It's fine. It really is okay. so anyway, it was really a rewarding experience. So, Vocal Fam, if you've not ever explored any of this, you should start by getting what every singer needs to know about the body from Plural Publishing, mm-hmm. uh, and and go from there uh, and make your own discoveries and meet it, meet someone who's familiar with body mapping in your area. Do a body mapping workshop. Um, meet someone who's an Alexander master teacher in your area and do one of those. Um, they're, they're they're out there. Just just don't 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 silo yourself. Yes, please, Melissa.
2: I was just going to say that if you want to find a body mapping workshop you can go to bodymap.org and the teachers are all listed there and the workshops that they're teaching should be listed there sometimes we get lazy and we don't put them up there but you can usually find quite a few of the workshops um, and you can find one in your area
0: fantastic yes please awesome
3: one other thing going back to the plural publishing website um for the third edition and of course for the fourth what we did was we went ahead and recorded all of the exercises, too, so the students can just listen to audios that are now uploaded um, onto the website for each of our chapters, um, which frees them up, I think, to be able to experience each exercise more. So.
0: Yeah,
2: fantastic, fantastic. Uh, and there is also an e-book version uh-huh. and. In the ebook version, you should be able to just click on every video and audio oh, and have nice. that work. Um, last I checked, one of my students had bought that version and it wasn't working, but they were working on it with Google. <laughs> um, so if anybody has gotten the ebook version and it is those clickable links are not clicking through, they need to contact Plural, and Plural
0: will hook them up with the. With the website, absolutely. If you are having problems and you're out there and you have this book, please contact Plural and, l- and let them know, uh, or contact one of these lovely authors by email and and uh, <laughs> and, and, and 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 let them know. Um, but uh, great. So, being Vocal Fry, we have a, 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 a we? A we always end with asking everybody if they. One of our missions. Well, we have multiple missions. One of our missions is to share sort of what's cool about voice science and pedagogy and whatever's going on in the world of that. On a weekly basis, one of our missions is sort of to demystify uh, vocal injuries that 's another one of our missions mm-hmm. and Then one of our missions is to uh, is just to share that those of us who are involved in this crazy singing and voice science and voice pedagogy world are actually also normal human beings. (laughs) Um, And uh, we all have different things in our lives that we enjoy beyond singing. We normally say, what are your pop culture interests? But I've really tried to morph it, particularly in 2020, I've been trying to morph it into what is in your life currently that is bringing you joy, maybe outside of singing. Mm -hmm. Um, So please, I'd love to go around. If you have anything you'd like to share share with the vocal fam that's brought you joy recently um, from anything from a book series to a podcast to something music you listen to or some activity you do whatever it is please we'd love to hear from from each of you don't be shy just jump right in uh
2: well i have a I, my property, my house, backs onto a ditch, and there's a big area out there that um, was just weeds. And over the past two years, I've converted it into an organic garden, and I just harvested tomatoes this morning, so that was nice. Tomatoes in almost October. Um, made it through the snow.
0: Did you not have yes. the snow a couple? Ah, yeah, we had good. the snow.
2: They survived. Um, and the other thing that's brought me joy this summer is that uh, we have a cabin up in the Rockies here and uh, a bear broke in and um, completely, um, well, just made quite a mess out of our kitchen, took everything sticky and went over and ate it on the carpet. Um, So (laughs) it's been a joy to collect my family around me and go up to the cabin and have work days where we just repair the damage and and work together as a family to to bring our, we actually now have a shutter over that door with a bear picture and a big, red circle with oh. a slash through it saying no bears.
0: <laughs> How fantastic though. I mean uh, and, and great about the garden. Uh yeah. That that's fantastic. Yes. Let's move great. Thank you, Melissa.
3: So um I I'll I'll go next because I also was gardening today, although I don't have an edible garden. My husband and I have a huge garden in the uh back here in Chicago. And uh Uh, We're moving soon to Michigan and beginning to have a garden there as well. This morning I swam. I love swimming. Um, I'm back at it again, Um, even with COVID, when they're able to do it at my local Y. And the other thing I do is um, I'm a potter. I love throwing pottery and playing in the mud, just bought my own kiln. Can't wait to uh, be be doing all that stuff when the kiln arrives, so yeah. That's yeah, so
0: That is cool. definitely a first. The pottery <laughs> is a first for us. That is oh uh, gardening and yard work we've had before. Cabin is new for us as well. The too, bear was new. The bear yeah, the bear, the bear. That sounds
1: like something out of a storybook. Like. Yeah.
0: Actually, Sarah, somehow it sometimes sounds like a story you might have. Like an experience. If you had a cabin, Sarah, that no, would happen. Yeah.
1: That was, yeah, that's like the time that I went hiking in California and I was literally like I know that bears are technically the like California bear is extinct. I was like, it's gonna find me. There's gonna be one bear left. I'm gonna find it. And that's gonna be the end of me. I mean, it didn't happen, but that just sounds <laughs> like something out of a book. Just the, yeah, have a cabin, that's, that bear right. just broken and you know, ate everything. <laughs> oh my
0: gosh, fantastic. Kurt?
4: Well, uh, I don't have anything as, as, uh, as fun as the bear uh, for sure. <laughs> I'm a little different with gardening. I used to love to garden. I uh, it was my fa- i my favorite thing roses in particular, until I moved to Georgia and encountered Georgia red clay and there's just nothing fun about gardening in Georgia and so I don't do it anymore. <laughs> so I have given that up. Uh, but since the question really was what has brought us joy, uh, I would have to say, and this is, this is, I don't know, joy is maybe not quite the right word, but it's sort of a mixed bag. One of the things that I do, uh, and the many things I didn't say no to, uh, is that I function as the administrative head of our music program uh, at Clayton State. And uh, we are open to face-to-face instruction because our governor says we must be. Uh, there were those who did not think that was such a great idea. And so it fell upon me to figure out how we were going to do this and how we were going to make it work. And I don't mean to say I had to do it all on my own. We have a fabulous associate provost who did a lot of the legwork. But it's been very gratifying to see that, at least in our case, the plan seems to be working.
0: Great.
4: Uh, yeah. you know, I spent a whole week, and I mean a whole week, 10 hours of work a day for a week, Coming up with the new class schedule that got everybody into rooms with the dis- proper distancing and the proper amount of time between room uses so the air could exchange and, and all of that sort of stuff and creating policies about scheduling practice rooms and all of this sort of stuff. And a couple of weeks ago, um, I won't name the institution, but brand X sister University System of Georgia uh, institution had 821 COVID cases. We had five for the whole university. Uh, and things, the students have been astonishingly compliant and they have been That's amazingly good sports through all of this. And it has brought me joy to see that.
0: That's great. Yes, that's wonderful. Yeah, we've had we've been very fortunate that our numbers have been low as well. Um, thank thank the Lord, um, and I hope it stays that way. But uh, cold weather's moving in, so so we shall we shall see. But congratulations, that's great. I'm glad that it's it's going well. Um, so that's a, that's a burden that Sarah's had to bear as well. Now being in charge of the arts academy where she teaches. Yeah. Had to um,
1: figure out same sort of thing had to kind of figure out the protocol which luckily a lot of it i was able to kind of take my cues from the school um, because they already had their protocols and rules established and i just tried to align them with that but also because there are some things i mean an academic school day is obviously a little bit different from you know having a dance class and so had some extra things to consider on our end but it's yeah same thing it's been going really well and the kid it is amazing the kids have been so good especially i'm in the middle school building and i think they're just so happy to be there that they're like i'll do anything i mean you know they're eating lunch in the classrooms their desks are all apart they're stuck in the same seat all day masked but they're just so happy to be there so that's been good
4: yeah. and i will add one other thing that has nothing to do with anything except uh, maybe for fun uh fun fact is i have um Since I was quite small, actually, I've had this hobby of collecting historical maps, and uh, and it's funny, you know, we use this term body mapping, and it just sort of hit me uh, recently because I've gotten the maps back out and sort of sort of uh, been playing with them a little bit more than usual, just because it's something you can do when you're all by yourself in a sort of more isolated situation, and I thought. Well, maybe that was one of the reasons I was drawn for, as Melissa said earlier, this very visual approach to things because I've always loved maps and the idea of applying it to ourselves. Uh, maybe that's something where that came from, and I had just come to that thought, you know, fairly recently, a few weeks ago.
0: Fantastic! I love that's a great point to sort of wrap up on. Um, that's beautiful. Thank you for that, uh, Sarah. Sorry, we have a tradition on Vocal Fry, Sarah. What would you <laughs> have for breakfast?
1: Uh, it's that same french yogurt that i've been having for breakfast i mean it's not anything fancy guys like don't think i'm out there eating some fancy french yogurt it's yoplait at least it's
0: not a breakfast cookie or candy for breakfast
1: now i'd be lying if i said that this week's wasn't it's a pumpkin caramel oh so it
0: has candy in the yogurt is what you're saying
1: it's a limited edition i had to try it i've been eating i like the blueberry and the peach flavors
0: but which, which at least they that's they have like fruit.
1: actual fruit at the bottom. Uh-huh, it's fruit, really actually, good. Actually fruit, if you're yeah. if you're a yogurt person, I just I, I don't eat cookies for breakfast. Uh, well, I just want to make that's that clear. Still debatable. I just want to A few weeks ago, it was
0: it was a candy bar for breakfast. It wasn't
1: a candy no, bar. It's debatable. It was it was oh gosh, Nature's Valley. They don't make candy bars. I want to make that clear.
0: Well, it is a
1: breakfast bar. Well. I anyway. was just trying to describe it, and somebody took it the wrong way. Won't point any fingers. You wouldn't be able to see them anyway, because no one's listening. Yeah. Anyway,
0: all right, um, Melissa, Mary Jean, Kurt, this has been wonderful. Thank you so yes. much for making time out of your busy schedules, for coming on, for being delightful. This has been great fun, um, and uh, we're it's so great glad to meet you. great to meet you and glad to have you on Vocal Fry, Vocal Fry, mm-hmm. Vocal Fam. Go, bo- go by the book go get some copies um, and uh, we're just uh, super glad that you all were with us. So so thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank thank you. you, it's been a great, fun. great for us. Absolutely, all right.